be preaching again from the book of Numbers, chapter 14. Numbers, chapter 14. We'll pick up where we left off this morning, where the children of Israel had pretty much decided that God didn't know what he was talking about and pretty much refused to take one step forward, despite, of course, the urging and the promises of God. And we pick that up in Numbers, chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Give you a few, chance, a few minutes to, uh, to turn and find that. Numbers chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has God brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said one to another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land to give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your history is also our story. And this story can teach us some things. And Father, we need to hear this. And I ask that you would just make your word come alive to us and apply it to our generation, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Caleb and Joshua stood alone against the ten other spies, and as we see in this passage of scripture, the rest of the Hebrew people, the entire congregation, they stood alone. Of course, I know they had an ally in Moses and Aaron who had fallen on their face in prayer, but they stood alone brings us to some principles and some points we want to uh, mention. First of all, and I think we really realized this this morning, standing on God's word and standing for God's words often places us in the minority in every generation of history. Many times, those who stood for God's word and stood on God's word found themselves in a minority among their workplace colleagues, among their school friends, among their culture. What are we going to do when we stand for God and in the minority? Those in opposition to God's word will reveal this by their opinions and by their actions. Now let's look in this passage of scripture. Their opinions, of course, are seen in verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should, should become victims? Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? 
earlier in chapter 13, they say, we can't do it. This is too much. The land will eat us up and spit us out. This is something we refuse to try to go up. That was their opinion. Now, let us look at their actions and how their actions showed that their heart was far from God. In verse 10, all the congregation said to stone them with stones. And here's an interesting point to notice. And it seems like this is about the same as we hear today. The opinion is, we're going to disagree with God. The opinion is, we don't think God's word is true. The opinion is, his instructions mean nothing. The action is, anybody who disagrees with us, we want to destroy. Did you catch that? It's not that, well, we've got you outvoted and this is what we're going to do. They picked up stones. They were going to kill Caleb and Joshua and totally destroy them because they dared to differ and say, we will stand with God. And despite the majority, God's word is still God's word. And we find that still true in the political arena today in our country. You have violent protests against the principles of God, and anyone who disagrees is destroyed verbally and sometimes attacked physically. But you see, those who stand against God will reveal their stance by their lifestyle, by their action, by their language, by their response to those who disagree with them. But Caleb stands firm. I want to realize there were two men who were standing firm, and Caleb was the spokesman. and His voice was the one lone voice against the vast majority of the children of Israel. His voice could not be drowned out by the screaming opposition. Where do we find that? In verse 22, God has just bargained with Moses, said, Moses, if you'll stand back, I'll destroy this people and we'll just start all over. Moses interceded for these folks. And Moses said, these are the people that I want to lead into the promised land. God backed off and relented from his plan. God's mercy was realized because of the intercession of one man, Moses. But look in verse 22. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers nor any of those who rejected me shall see it but my servant Caleb because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully I will bring into this land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it you see Caleb's voice may not have been heard by the opposition. But Caleb's voice was heard by God. And our voice may be drowned out by the screaming opposition. And in the days ahead, the church's voice may be blasted when it comes to those who control the media and the print and the broadcast. But the faithful voices who dare to stand on God's word and stand for God's word will be heard and God will take notice of who's speaking up for him. And then he goes a little bit further as we go in verse 25. 
Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. How long will I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints with the children of Israel spake against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered, according to the entire number, from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you to dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be the victims, I will bring in. They shall know the land which you have despised. As for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. Your son shall be shepherd in the wilderness forty years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of days in which you spied out the lamb, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. God said, as you said in my hearing, I'm going to let you have it your way. You said, we can't go in and possess the land. You said, we won't go in and possess the land. And he said, you're right. You will not go. Everyone over 20 years old, except for Caleb and Joshua, will not see the land. But your children, 20 years and under, will see the land. But it'll be 40 years before they go in. And for 40 years, they'll be shepherd in the wilderness. And that brings me to a very blunt point that perhaps we need to make sure we get and we need to explain to others as we tell them about the need to come to the way of the Lord. Our rebellion against God will affect others and it will affect those that are closest to us. So it's not my life to live like I want to live and this just between me and God. When I reject the ways of God... And when others reject the ways of God, it does affect the people around them. And it definitely affects their family. And there is a very pointed lesson for us as families and leaders of families to make sure we don't reject God's word. So God said, these people won't cross over. But Caleb and Joshua, they will cross over. So let's fast forward and see what happens later to Joshua chapter 14. Now all of us know, of course, Joshua is the one who became the leader after Moses died. We won't deal with Joshua tonight because it would take us several sermons to fully capture Joshua. But I want us to look at what happened to Caleb. Caleb was the one who was the spokesman. He was the one who quieted the people. He was the one that was the lone voice. We know that Joshua stood with him, but Caleb's the one who went and was the point man in front of all these screaming and angry people. What happens to Canaan? Well, in chapter 14 of the book of Joshua, they are dividing up the land. They are well into the conquest of Canaan. And they're dividing up the land by lot. Every tribe gets a section and the leaders of, of, of the families in each family clan of the tribes gets a section. And then in verse 6, Caleb steps up. 
And the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, brought back the word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Wow. So we realize this. Caleb, 40 years old, in his prime, the one lone voice against the screaming opposition. Caleb stands for God, and Moses at that day, as we see here, and God promised him, you will inherit the land that you walked on. Now, this is quite something. We see the different spirit in Caleb. What caused others to fear motivated Caleb. Now, we go back to the book of Numbers. And the people's heart melted, number one, because these were fortified cities. These were big cities and fortified, and the children of Anak were there. Well, these were giant men of stature. Think about Goliath. These were big men. These were burly men. These were strong men equipped for war. Now, all the rest of the people saw these big guys, and they didn't want any part of it. Here's Caleb's different spirit. He sees the fortified cities, and he sees the children of Anak. He says, hey, you want some of this? I'm coming in, and we're doing battle because God will be with me. Into the very land of the giants, what caused others to fear gave him strength. And we realize here was a man who was 85 years old, and he says, I'm just as strong now as I was then. And he proved it. But that tells me something else. And you don't want to miss this. He said, 45 years, I've stuck it out. 45 years. It was by no fault of his own. By no fault of his own, he was made to wait 45 years. Whose fault was it? It was those other people. Sometimes other people's choices affect us. He could have just as easily said, I, I'm out of here. You know, I wanted to go in, and I was the, the one lone voice, and me and Joshua, Moses and Aaron, wanted to stand up. Everybody else wanted to wander around. I'm not doing it. But you know what? He stayed 
with the task for 40 years. And for five years, he went with Joshua and did war and took the land. Now, there's a man with some spunk. There's a man with, first of all, patience and endurance. Now, that also tells us something else. Now, let's, let's back up. The children of Israel said, we can't do it. Now, God had told them it would take them some time, little by little. Now, they're just on the verge of pretty well taking possession of the land. How long did it take? Five years. He said it would take time. You're not going to do it in one year. They could have been in there in five years. As it turns out, 40 years passed, and their little ones finally went in. Their little ones, who were 20 years old, could have been in there and took possession of the land by the time they were 25 in the prime of their life. Now they're going in, and they're 60 years old. You see what happens when one generation says, we choose to ignore God's word. It will affect the other generation, won't it? But here is Joshua, I mean Caleb, of a different spirit. Boy, he's spunky. He says, I'm 85, and I'm still ready. And he says, by the way, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. The one with the fortified cities, the one with the giants, that's the mountain I want. And he indeed took it. And there's another interesting little story in the next chapter. And this is one of those where it just, you, you can draw some implications, all right? And I like to draw some implications here in chapter 15, verse 13. Now, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord, to Joshua, namely Kiriath Arba, which is in Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Hyman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. And he went from there to the inhabitants of Debir, formerly the name Debir was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, Who attacks? Kiriath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give Aksha, my daughter, as a wife. So Othanel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave Aksha, his daughter, as his wife. Now it was so when she came into him that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? She answered, Give me a blessing, since you have given me the land in the south. Give me also the springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now here we go again. There's a story here. The story is Caleb goes in and he drives out the children of Anak or their family, which were Shishai, Hyman, and Talmai. Now, these were the very names that caused fear in the hearts of the children of Israel, and an 85-year-old man goes in and drives them out. Now, that, that was really something, wasn't it? But the people's heart melted. Then he goes up to a city, and he says, whoever goes and takes that city, I'll give you my daughter to be a wife. Well, his, his, his nephew went up and took it. His nephew went up and took it. And, of course, he gave his nephew, his daughter, now, I know that would make them cousins, but obviously there were some different rules that applied then. I'm not going to get into that debate, but I wanted to notice something. This is the implications. 
he gives them this region. And she, she's obviously been with Othanel for a while, and she said, you need to go talk to my daddy, and if we're going to have this land, we need some water. We need some springs also. And then it says, she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said, what do you want? So obviously, they're going to talk to Caleb. And Aksha jumps off of her ride and goes to daddy herself. Now, this obviously impressed the historians because this story is mentioned again in Judges chapter 1, and they say the same thing. She got off of her donkey, and she walked right up to her daddy. Now, here's the implication here, but I think, I could, I, I think I'm pretty much on the right track here. Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb had a spirit of spunk, of resolve. Caleb had a spirit of courage, and he passed it on to his daughter, don't you think? Because <laughs> here she is. She's asking her husband to talk to daddy, and she drive, rides up, and she just jumps off. She marches right up to her daddy and says, we got to have some water, Pop. So we have to look at this. When we are willing to stand for God, and when we're willing to have that different spirit, that different spirit will affect the upcoming generations just like the negative spirit of the children of Israel who died in the wilderness. Their lack of dedication to God affected the upcoming generation. Caleb's different spirit obviously passed on to his daughter who seemed to have quite a bit of that spunk as well. So it's important for us to make sure that our actions are passing on the right legacy to the upcoming generations. Anything before we close? If not, let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer.